1: Uh, We can pray for wisdom. We want to pray for discernment, but we're not going to control another person. But when I talk to a loved one, a family member, I'm going to begin with the words, I have something important I'd like to talk to you, and it's because I love you so much.
2: That's Dr. Gregory Jantz, and he's our guest today on Focus on the Family to help you understand addictions and healing through Christ. And your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Fuller. You know, when we
0: think of addictions, uh, we probably uh, think of those traditional problems, drugs, alcohol, gambling. But there are so many uh, kinds of addictions that we see developing around us. I mean, the one in that category of drugs would be the opioid addiction, something like 2 million people are addicted to opioids now but digital devices pornography maybe work workaholism mm-hmm. uh shopping what we eat now that's starting mm. to get a little close to yeah. the heart Let's move on um but they Can go unaddressed, and these and other addictions can devastate a person's overall health as well as their family and their relationships. Uh, Dr. Gregory Jantz has a lot of great insights to share about addiction, and he wants you to know that you can pick up the shattered pieces of your life and find healing and freedom.
2: And that is uh, what we're going to talk about today and next time. And Dr. Jantz is a nationally renowned uh, psychologist. He focuses on the whole person approach to mental health and founded The Center, a place of hope to help people transform their lives. And he's written a book called... Healing the scars of addiction, and we have that here. Just stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Doctor Jantz, welcome back to Focus on the Family. It's good to have you again. It
1: is so good to be here. Wow, I was just thinking about our topic. Huh. Uh, we all know somebody who's been touched by addiction.
0: Well, that's so true, and we need to, you know, describe it, unpack it, all those things. So let's get started. As a therapist, what are your observations about the nature of addiction in our culture and how our addictions might be growing?
1: Addictions are growing. We know right now, during a unique period of time, about 40% of Americans say that they have struggled with some level of addiction, according to the CDC. So that's a huge number. Yeah, and when we is. talk about addiction, we probably better define it. Of course, in addiction, nobody ever starts out saying, hey, I want to be an addict. Yeah, it, sure it doesn't no. work that way. Yeah, it's like the person, well, yeah, I wanted to be an alcoholic. No. Addiction is two things. It's subtle. It's subtle and it's sneaky, and then it gets a stronghold.
0: Define addiction. I mean, sure. what for those that maybe don't think about addiction, they don't feel they're addicted, what is addiction?
1: Addiction is something that you tell yourself, I'm going to stop this, or I better cut back. Inside, you know there's a problem. And it's a compulsive behavior that you're driven to do, and here's the key, despite consequences. Hmm. So I can lose my marriage, I can lose my job, but i continue in my addiction so the addiction becomes all consuming and a person i know it's hard to understand but a person may go towards that substance anything that's mood altering and that's all consuming and they will put and lose put everything on the line and lose everything
0: so i want to be really clear in case somebody is is struggling defining their their actions yes. Uh, Describe that person. Sure. You you kind of mentioned it, but I want to get really precise in that definition. So maybe, you know, maybe I'm thinking, well, I'm not addicted. I don't inside feel that conviction that you Mm -hmm. just described.
1: Can I still be addicted to something even though I'm not knowing it? Well, Jim, you led us right down the road to the word denial. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Part of why I continue an addictive behavior is I'm denying that it's really uh, a problem and so that's when we say hey i can take care of this or hey it's no big deal and and we play that denial game that's usually a part of uh an addict's dance if you will so you start to live in a lie uh, in order to continue that now your loved ones around you sometimes you bring them along and they're a part of it and we call them uh, codependent or even co-addicts it's the mom who says to her 20 year old son I love you so much. I know I shouldn't give you this $20, and she does it. Hmm. Okay. You don't know what to do.
2: Yeah. Uh, You mentioned family members, so I I talked to a family member who said, well, my dad was a hard drinker, but he wasn't an alcoholic. Right. Right. I mean, so that might have been a level of denial, but it's still kind of gray to me. I mean, where does it – let's say somebody hasn't experienced the loss of family or whatever – where does it actually become an addiction?
1: Well, one of the things we oftentimes do, we go, oh, when we talk about family members, we go, well, that's just the way he is. And we almost treat it as though it's normal. We've normalized mm. addiction. Oh, yeah, that's the way Uncle John is. <laughs> you know. Um, but the reality is it's a problem, and addiction affects all family members. Mm. It really does, because addiction becomes a way that we process our emotions. So it's the person today they come home from work and they've had a stressed out day and they go okay I just need a little food and they start the let's say binge eating and then they continue that day after day Um, they know that it's a problem but they're probably not using the word addiction so I'm processing all my frustrations through the food Um, But I'm so glad
0: Haagen-Dazs chocolate chip is not included in that (laughs) addiction. No, there are only
1: certain things we're talking about here. (laughs) No, it's true, though.
0: I mean, it's that comfort food, right? Uh, Dr. Jantz, you also mentioned uh, other uh, barriers to determining what's harmful. I mean, denial's one. You list secrecy, minimizing, maximizing, and shame. Just give us a definition
1: of each of those. Sure. Let's talk about shame. You know, when I'm struggling with an addiction, there is a lot of secrecy. There's the seek. I got to keep it hidden. It could be gambling. It could be some things you think that don't affect other people. It you know it's just my own private thing. Sometimes people will put pornography in that. No, it doesn't affect anybody else. And so, but there's the shame of okay, I know, and I'm trying to push down this guilt. I'm trying to push it down, but I feel a lot of shame about. Okay, how do I really get? Help, what do I do? And I can't tell anybody this. I've kept it a secret for so long. Sometimes we're shocked when we hear of a person who suddenly comes out and they they have an addiction. And you go, I can't believe it. Because, but they've had it for a long time. And so that's the secrecy. Um, I Part of my goal is, look, if this is a problem, let's remove the shame. The shame says that I feel like there's something wrong with me. It's really not about that. It's about how do we get back our lives and our health as God designed it to be.
0: Let me uh, drill into that a little bit, because I think in the Christian community, we see shame as a tool of behavioral correction, especially in our parenting, right? Sure, it 's not healthy though um, there 's a better way to do those things, but speak to those of us you know who want to follow the rules that believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, but you know especially I think in that context of parenting, we can create addictions, I think or participate mm-hmm. in that by shaming our kids to try to get the behavior we 're looking for
1: Yes, well, as a parent, we can get really frustrated it 's that kid of yours that's been on that device all day long and you can't get them out of the bunker house. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> um, and you don't know if they would eat if you didn't deliver the food. <laughs> you know? So and you're enabling this to continue. Um, so we and we feel frustrated. So out of frustration, we may say some things out of anger that we later regret. And frustration and anger can kind of drive that addiction more secret. Um, the secrecy, so all all addiction is a ticking time bomb somewhere some along along the line, something will break our health uh, we may have a significant loss um, our marriages marriage that would be a significant uh potential yeah. loss
0: It is interesting that when you do face these things, your intimacy first with your creator as yes. a believer in Christ will grow cuz you're you're unable to hide anymore you that closet that you would keep these secrets in mm. yes. he's actually he's opened the door now and he knows what's happening he always did obviously but you now are confessing that to him um i i think greg in your book healing the scars of addiction you, you made a point in there that really caught me because it's the root of addiction and you you say that bitterness and unforgiveness uh, can be that root of addiction. I think people that are listening now need to hear that clearly.
1: Yes. How does
0: bitterness and unforgiveness play into uh feeding those addictions?
1: Absolutely. And this is probably the the core thing we need to really address when we're in recovery from an addiction. Where am I carrying unforgiveness? Is it with myself? Is it with Was I deeply wounded? Was there severe trauma in my life? And addiction's been my way of dealing with that. Mm. See, addiction causes us whatever form it could be even digitally, um, but addiction changes how we feel temporarily. It's a mood elevator, and then it's a mood crasher. But um, so we know that at times I need to find and deal with that hurt, that trauma. There's something that happens, and I see this so often in a person's life when it's a release of forgiveness, self-forgiveness, a release of forgiveness of some past hurt, and receiving God's forgiveness. Right. Um, something happens, and they start growing. And they'll actually say things like, wow, I don't really feel like I need this alcohol, or I need—they feel like the need for it diminishes. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: That's so good. Uh, Greg, what would you say to the Christian who might uh, tend to live in that shame? I mean, we mentioned it, but what should that response be when you feel the guilt and
1: shame of these poor behavioral choices that you know grieves God's heart? Okay, that's our cue to do something. When you feel the guilt and shame, that's the time to say, I'm going to look at what my options are for getting help. Now, Addiction requires us to say these words, I need help. <laughs> right. Because if you could have handled it, you really would have. Um, yeah, it would be rational. Yeah. And, but it, it's subtle and it's sneaky and it's got that stronghold. And, you know, there's a spiritual side to addiction. Addiction ultimately puts us on the path to despair and potential path for death. Addictions kill. And that's, so we want to intervene. We don't want you over there on the despair or the destruction. And so when you feel that guilt, that's just the cue to go, okay, this is bigger than me. I need to ask for help.
2: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
1: Do you wake up and think of all the ways the day could go wrong? Does a list of worst case scenarios play on a loop in your head? Can the littlest thing set off a spiral of what-ifs? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and follow-up resource suggestions to help you better understand and navigate anxiety in your life. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca anxietypdf. That's focusonthefamily.ca anxietypdf. Financial Moments with Tom Copeland.
3: We tend to store up treasures here on earth because most people think of earth as being their home. The truth is that earth is not our home, as we are on this earth for a relatively short period of time compared to eternity in heaven. As described in Hebrews chapter 11, the patriarchs lived as alien and strangers on earth, longing for a better country, a heavenly one. In other words, these great men of God recognized that earth was not their home, but just a temporary place where they would sojourn while they were alive, but more importantly, Their eternal destiny and their eternal home was in heaven. In Philippians 3.20, Paul said, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, we need to remember that our home and our citizenship is in heaven, not on this earth. So it only makes sense to invest money and time in ministries that will have eternal benefits. To learn more, check out org.
2: Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Dr. Jantz, uh,
0: let's speak to some of the very specific addictions. I mentioned a list at the beginning of the program, but opioid or substance Mm -hmm. uh, addictions describe them. And let's particularly look at opioid addiction because it's in the headlines so often now, and so many people have fallen prey to that. But talk about substance abuse generally, sure. and then opioid addiction specifically.
1: There are what I'll call some innocent addictions. That's a person who has been given the pain medication, the opioids, and they didn't intend to be addicted to them.
0: After surgery, or After like surgery, that.
1: Yeah. it's an innocent, if you will, addiction. I use these prescribed medications, and oh boy, this took me down a path, and I can't believe where I am today. Uh, we also know um, there are addictions that a person just turns to. It's a stressful time, period of chronic stress, and they start to go back to something they used to do. Maybe it's alcohol, and they've maybe they've used it for three months, and all of a sudden, here it is again. Uh, it's more of a full-blown addiction. They're doing it every day. They're becoming sneakier and sneakier. They're hiding it. They're hiding money related to it. Uh, We know that uh, gambling actually has really increased, the gambling addiction. Right now, and I would like to use the word cyber addiction. That's not a real technical term. There's no diagnosis for it, at least yet. But I can tell you there are people that uh, they live their life with this. They're digitized. (laughs) Right. And you've seen it with folks. Uh, they've been online eight or ten hours, and they they come out of it, and their emotions are blunted. They seem dull, and uh, they seem irritable. So there is something that happens, and I am going to say that we see people uh, who come to us, and initially uh, they turn in anything with a screen on it. I can tell you about a half of the folks that we work with by day three have sweaty palms, their heart rates up, they're anxious. irritable. They're having, like, symptoms of withdrawal. Yeah. And they'll say things like, hey, um, I just need to get my uh, laptop. I forgot to do an email <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. They're they're craving it back. And, and they're starting to have all those uh, symptoms of addiction. So we do see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and especially, I mean, again, uh, beyond the substance abuse that we talked about. And o- opioid addiction, yeah. I mean, you've said that quite accurately. Some of these addictions start in a very innocent way some Correct. are sought out doctors uh, hopefully a small percentage of doctors have been very uh you know uh, unprofessional in how they have prescribed yes opioid uh, it sure pills. seems that way so it yeah and if that person is caught in that kind of innocent addiction what do you suggest they do? I mean, they may be hearing this today and saying, man, that's me. I just had knee surgery. My doctor prescribed an opioid for the pain, and it's been three months now.
1: Right. What we do know is there are good non-narcotic um, substitutes or replacements. We're seeing those used more. So there is there are choices. Huh. Um, but it is very difficult. Uh, there is something that is required sometimes where it's really what we call a medical detox. The person's body is so dependent that we need to be very careful when they come off of that substance. Uh, We used to use the word chemical dependency. The new term, the new language is substance use disorder. And so we're not even using the word addiction a lot. Um, And and maybe that's all right. It's helping helping folks uh, seek help. Um, there's also the area of food addiction. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I was going to touch yeah. on. I mean, and again, in
0: food addiction, it, it, I would think it might be difficult to define that. If, again, you're having a dessert every couple of weeks, you probably are okay. But if you're doing right. it every night or you need it, you need the sugar, you probably uh, yes, are and, in and trouble. Jim,
1: I, can, I can share a personal story yeah. on this one. Um, I, when I first started, did a lot, a lot of work with eating disorders Mm. and, uh, I really fell into the workaholic traits and I was working way too much. Um, and though doing well, I was passionate about my, it was an innocent addiction, but before I knew it, and it's embarrassed to say, you know, it's six days a week and then it's Sunday afternoon and you say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see you Sunday afternoon. And, um, so the... It's subtle and sneaky, but I fell into that. Well, I also had a period in my life, though it's been a while back, where, you know, I can't wait to get home to have my half gallon of ice cream too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you, I'm starting to do the very things of the people that I'm working with. Mm. And I, and I, mm. I fell into some really unhealthy behaviors and I had to do a, a timeout on myself. Mm. I had to reset a lot of things in my personal life. Uh, Otherwise, I was going to have a lot of regret.
0: One of the key things you're saying, though, is self-awareness. It feels like what you're describing is there's a a, a fork in the road that Mm -hmm. when you're confronted either internally, your own observation of your behavior, or a friend or family member is Mm -hmm. asking you questions that are irritating, (laughs) you're really at that fork in the road. You either got to say, wow, maybe I do have a problem, or... You say something like, eh, "It's nothing, I can manage this. I mean, yeah, I eat a little bit, but or I drink yeah. a little bit, or I you know take that to help me calm down. We but it's manageable. Right. It's right. always the word, right? It's yeah. manageable. Yeah. But speak to that fork in the road and, and how people around uh, someone who's addicted, if they don't
1: want help, it's hard to help oh, them. I am so glad you mentioned this. The key word in addiction is manipulation. The addict, person who's struggling, can manipulate you, and before you know it, you've given them twenty bucks. <laughs> you know they're pretty good manipulators, um, and then you end up manipulating the situation because it's easier now. It's just easier if they just go do their thing. I'm not going to upset things anymore. Every time I've talked to them about it, you know I'm afraid of the reaction, and so you fall into your own patterns as well.
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to just share a story for parents that might be thinking my child has a problem yes. in regards to eating. We had a daughter who um, was super healthy, only she went to extremes. And for a while, we just said, oh, well, she's just eating well. Right. Or she's not eating as much as she needs to. And now she's running half marathons. And a girlfriend mm-hmm. of hers called me and said, Mr. Fuller, I think she has an eating problem. And it's like, no, she's just healthy. It took a couple of months for the Lord to open our eyes. Yeah. And when we confronted her, she's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just eating, I'm eating well. Well, let me pile
0: on yeah. to that. Jean had a cousin who actually died from anorexia. Okay. Yeah. I mean, she could not eat. Mm-hmm. She was so consumed with the poor outcome in her mind that if she mm-hmm. ate, she put an ounce right. of fat on. And yeah. that just really trapped her in this self-destruction that you described yes. a few minutes ago. And she didn't eat herself to death. I mean, right. literally, she died. Yeah.
2: This is a kind of an addiction with kind of the opposite effect where I'm not doing yes. something.
1: Right. And and I also can clothe it in, oh, I'm just eating really he- healthy and, um, and we can take it to an extreme. Yeah. And addictions run, the fuel that runs an addiction is fear. It's the fear of I don't do this. It's the fear, if if I eat this, I'm going to gain 10 pounds instantly. So behind most all addiction, it, we've mentioned unforgiveness or uh, hurt or trauma, but that's because there's fear. And the fear and the lie is, I have to do this in order to feel okay. What about
0: um, this idea of being able to manage moderation? I mean, the book of Proverbs yes. is full of admonition to do life mm-hmm. in moderation. Why do we struggle with moderation?
1: Well, I think also we live in a culture that's very um, its very easy to get addicted these days. We have lots of opportunity in front of us well, every true. day. And so we have a lot of stimuli, a lot of invitation for addiction, and plus we've normalized addiction. Um, alcohol use has almost been normalized, um, but yet... It's not normal for a person who's struggling. Um, we've almost done this, and it's very unfortunate, but we've almost done this with uh, pornography. It's just so normal. It's no big deal. Well, in the church, to be honest, the church, the numbers right. are not good. The numbers are not good. And it is a huge struggle. And people are secret. And i uh, many times have worked with individuals that say, "Well, yeah, I kind of thought that drinking was okay. we did it in some of it. you know our church friends did it, and um but you know, but it really it really got them they they carried it way too far. and I think, okay, there's times where we can't we cannot be uh moderate. It's not going to work. then we need to stay away from that. <laughs> right because it's addictive it is yeah Uh, dr
0: jantz i don't want to end today without a clear again a clear direction for people who are concerned about a family member or a loved one so what is that first step maybe give it some context you have a family member who is drinking too much yes, and it's obvious it's a harder one to hide obviously Mm -hmm. because it affects your behavior so openly uh, but what would be a first step? What can a concerned family member or friend do to um, kind of confront the situation in a loving and healthy way?
1: Well, I'm always going to deal with that person, let them know how much I love and care about them. One of the things is if we come at it, this is it, this is it, you know more, and you're angry and you turn into shouting, it it's probably not going to work. What's going on in
0: that person's heart? Because I'll talk about – this is kind of like the prodigal brothers, right? This is the older brother. Dad, don't you know what little brother did? He took all that money and
1: squandered it on drink and
0: women and – so you get a self-righteous heart, but what's that person's issue?
1: Well, right. And part of it is we can't control another person. So we've got to come to that realization. Uh, we can pray for wisdom. We want to pray for discernment. We're not going to control another person. But when I talk to a loved one, a family member, I'm going to begin with the words, I have something important I'd like to talk to you, and it's because I love you so much. Mm. So I'm going to lay the groundwork. uh, This is out of love. Now, when you bring the next steps and say, I have noticed that um, your alcohol consumption seems like it's really been up. Can you tell me about that? So give them an opportunity Mm -hmm. to talk about it. Um, Because... I want them to keep talking about it. I don't want them to shut down.
0: And that's the truth, and that's where we want to end today. And, Greg, I'm so grateful for your book, Healing the Scars of Addiction, and what we've talked about today. We're going to come back next time and talk more about how you face these addictions and how you overcome them. But in that context, we are a place uh, that you can contact. You don't need to be ashamed. We get it. We've been doing this for 43 years Mm -hmm. now. And I don't think you're going to shock our counseling team with whatever you're dealing with. We've heard it. uh, Just as the scripture says, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. So take that risk. If you're feeling like maybe I am addicted to this thing, whatever it might be, call us. Uh, We can schedule a counselor to get back with you. And they'll spend time on the phone with you and yeah. begin to discern that. And I really encourage that as well. Yeah, isn't that Take a good that first step, step today? Yeah, yes. It's anonymous. I mean, we're not going to dig in. You don't have to worry. We're not going to disclose that conversation. And uh, that is a great first step. In addition to that, you can get a copy of Greg's book if you need it. We're going to send it to you. So just call us. If you can't afford it, we get it. That isn't the barrier because we do have other uh, supporters that I know God will move their heart to send a gift to Mm -hmm. help cover the cost of that. And if you're in a position to help others who need resources, like Greg's book, would you consider supporting the work of Focus on the Family Canada? Your gifts are the lifeblood of the ministry. And so let me say thank you for remembering us and strengthening our outreach to Canadian families.
2: Yeah, we have a lot of help here at Focus on the Family for you, and it begins with a phone call. Our number is 800-AFAMILY, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Greg, thank you so much for being with us, and I'm looking forward to our conversation tomorrow.
1: Yes, let's do it.